0: And we start this hour with breaking news from the Netherlands, where the prime minister has offered his resignation over a child benefit scandal. How the government wrongly accused thousands of families defrauding the tax office.
1: And that has tot the conclusion that i the koning het ontslag heb aangeboden van het hele
2: kabinet.
0: Parliamentary report revealed that the government's mismanagement of childcare subsidies drove thousands of families to financial ruin. Inquiry concluded that unprecedented injustice had been done to innocent families who were forced to pay back benefits causing many to face acute financial problems.
3: These people had no chance to defend themselves and many had to pay back their child benefits. Previous government knew all along about the the way the tech services was um, targeting families, mostly based on racial and ethnic profiling. Hello and welcome
4: everyone. We are Lara, Romi, Serena and Fenna, and for the course Communicating Inequality in the City, a communication and media course at the Erasmus University of Rotterdam, taught by Isabel Awad and Zuher Hamana, we will provide you with this podcast today. This podcast episode, Ongekend Onrecht, translates to unprecedented injustice. In this episode, we'll be talking about the role the Dutch media played in the childcare benefit scandal, commonly called the Affaire. But we won't do this alone. We'll do it with the help of Nassima El Idrissi and Bacha Brown, two of the disadvantaged mothers in the scandal. Through their stories, we will center their approaches, as disadvantaged and as mothers of color in particular, since discrimination too played a large role in deciding who would fall victim to the unfair accusations of fraud. But most importantly, as individuals with an important story to tell. And if you don't exactly know what happened in the Affair, don't worry, we'll get you up to speed. Please tune in.
0: The scandal, called the Toeslagenaffaire, all started 10 years ago. The Dutch cabinet decided to implement strict rules and surveillance to fight potential tax fraud and there was even a special department at the tax administration offices, the belasting deans that were assigned, to cater this. The whole operation was grossly mismanaged and as a result of this, thousands of parents were accused of receiving childcare benefits fraudulently they were wrongfully criminalized and forced to pay back large sums of money that they actually had rightfully received. The debts easily built up to 125,000 euros. And for a long time, nobody believed in the innocence of the victims, especially the Dutch government. Many parents who tried to
2: take action were systematically turned away. After all this time, the scandal was only recently brought to light. Around 2018, and more and more journalists started to report on the fact that the Dutch Tax Administration was consciously working against these parents. After a while, the Dutch Parliament started to get involved. Politicians like Renske Leijten from the SP and Pieter Omzicht from CDA supported many parents to get a hold of their document. And many researchers followed to figure out how this could have gone so horribly wrong. Parliamentary Inquiry Commission researched the topic and came out with a report by the name of Ongekend Onrecht, translated to Unprecedented Injustice. And it's also the inspiration for the name of this podcast. It was unveiled that the Texas administration was guilty of systematic discrimination based on ethnic background, that citizens with a double nationality or migration background were deliberately selected. Throughout all the layers of the political system, Injustice was put upon thousands of citizens as they were not recognized and not protected. The pressure to take responsibility ended up being too high and caused the fall of the Dutch cabinet Rutte 3, right before the new elections. Many parents were left with debt they still haven't had any or full compensation for, but also tremendous emotional damage. Now that
3: we've given you a quick rundown on what happened in the affair. We'll get our guests to introduce themselves and how they know one another. As our conversation was in Dutch, Romi will dub the voice of Batja, and Serena will dub the voice of Nassima. Uh, Ik ben Batja, uh,
5: 35 jaar oud, moeder van vier kinderen. I know Nassima from Stichting uh, Mooiwerk. Okay,
3: I am Batja, 35 years old, mother of four children. I actually know Nassima from Stichting Mooiwerk. So she's also involved in the Zijn art world, um, just like me. Uh, I'm actually an find. artist and a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. She is as well. Uh, and in that very aspect, we basically found each other.
4: I am Nassima El Idrissi, born in, Brabant, born in Brabant, 41 years old and when I was 19 I moved to Rotterdam. I have two kids, I'm a single mother, my daughter is 16 and my son is 11. Uh, I have had a lot of different jobs and throughout the past years these were mainly in the arts and culture domain. So From hosting, to spoken word, to theatre director, actor and teacher. This has been fun and yeah, it made me grow to the person I am today. And that is a beautiful, wonderful person. And Batja and I, we complement each other. As volunteers, we have done a lot with various projects together.
1: And as friends too. Yes talking a lot about life,
4: the things that bother us, and mostly supporting each other.
2: The child care benefits scandal obviously shook up the country. It unveiled the dark side of the tax companies, and especially how thousands of Dutch citizens, a large group of whom were women of color, ended up being wrongfully accused of tax fraud, and therefore excluded from Dutch society. This exclusion translated mostly through the fact that thousands of families ended up in huge debt. But the exclusion was also noticeable in the lack of recognition by the government and the media. The importance of recognition was also highlighted by Batja. It's not the money at the moment, it is the
3: recognition. If they don't believe you or if you are perceived as a fraud, no one can help you with your truth or your truth is neglected.
5: Recognition is, is so important.
3: For example, you have a relationship and it goes wrong. When that person has hurt you
5: and then looks into your eyes and says, I'm
3: sorry that I've put you through this.
5: That's it. That's
3: the most important, that recognition.
5: And even then, you can
3: forgive a person, but that hurt still remains.
5: I had my suspicions but
3: wasn't too sure about it but they keep an eye on you while you do not know it and now many years later it turns out that on the basis of the color of my skin my background my ethnicity income if that is low but they purposefully select those people to attack they have literally destroyed us
1: as if we are all criminals (laughs) as if
4: we do not have the right to the Netherlands so you see that you have to fight as a non-white person
0: This fragment you just heard tells us a lot, as Baja talks about a system that is made to advantage certain people while disadvantaging others, mostly people of color. The very fact that people with a bicultural background, double passports or a migration background are monitored on this basis and suspected of committing fraud tells us something about the way Dutch society evaluates and legitimizes certain social groups over the others. In an article about inclusionary citizenship, the scholar Ruth Lister explains that this exclusion of certain social groups is caused by a culture of othering. Considering how the tax administrations are drained in a culture where discriminatory mechanisms and institutional biases are no exception, as visible from the childcare benefits scandal, this notion of exclusionary citizenship seems more than appropriate. To reach a citizenship that is truly inclusive, Everyone's voices should be heard, recognized, and represented, rightfully. So regardless of having double passports, a bicultural background, a migration story, being a single mother, and being a woman of color. In that sense, Lister proposes that identities that are stigmatized need to be revalued and rather become embraced. This because citizenship is not just about having these formal rights. Citizenship is more than that, to be a citizen means to have the right to cultural participation and undistorted representation. To achieve this, it is crucial to resist the assumptions and representations that work so exclusionary and marginalizing. Something that the Dutch government and the media felt so badly to achieve. Bacha and Asima also talk about how they take this recognition and visibility into their own hands to be able to speak up about what happened and to represent those who are not able to I was asked to speak on both events and uh, yeah the first
1: uh, time at the women's administration there was uh, the woman she, yeah you asked me what you asked me she said yeah, do you want to speak?" Uh, there? I said yes of course I like that of course and uh, I want to say my words you know that people can hear me out loud and not keeping it to myself anymore or in the books, you know mm-hmm. I want to it gives me a like a satisfaction no not satisfaction no you say yeah. a release moment, mm-hmm. you know, like oh yes, I told it. and people come to you and talk to you then you can if you talk much about it, then you can let it go, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's powerful, I think uh what's in it also, and to uh uh make it too easy to talk about, yeah because uh, yeah we have all our problems but Nou, Yes, exactly.
5: actually ja. Het is eigenlijk soort een genezingproces ook. En datgene waar je in zat, ineens ontdek je dat meerdere mensen ook in die situatie zaten. And it's also a healing process. The
3: situation we were in. Suddenly you realize that more people are in the same situation. And also because we can express ourselves through words and approach that situation through words. Speaking about it is a form of liberation, it is a form of release. And also actually to make the suffering visible, to show what is exactly happening. And from that we're able to initiate
5: change. Mm-hmm. That is also
3: actually our message, that through speaking up, you can empower and strengthen others in the things that they have lost themselves in. Sometimes you you just need a mirror for self-reflection. If you yourself are in this situation, you sometimes do not see it anymore and then it becomes very heavy. And just a lot, too much to process. So if I'm able to do this from my feelings and emotions, from what is happening in society and to myself, this will enable and help others to do the same.
2: This means that for the purpose of today, it is vital to look at the role of representation. Representation plays a role in creating reality. They reinforce a certain reality and therefore play a role in how social injustices are maintained or challenged. Talking about social injustice is talking about representation. Thus, the way the childcare benefit scandal had been represented and talked about through the media forms a reality. What we hear about certain social groups or not hear influences how we think and how we talk about them. If discourses in line with the Western homogenic representations repeatedly are represented in the media, they become naturalized. For the Dutch context, this can refer to, for example, the uttering of everyone non-white, the normativity of white bodies, or the overrepresentation of white people at panels, talk shows, in presenter roles, or expert roles, talking about problems that do not affect them. This
0: brings us to the importance of positionality. How we perceive and interpret the world is dependent on our position in society. And one's positionality is in turn shaped by the identities that we have, so our gender, education, sexuality, class, the way that we are racialized or not, nationality, abledness, and so on. Some identities are given privilege too, while others of these are subjugated by it. Moreover, it's important to recognize that all these identities intersect. Intersectionality helps us understand how certain aspects of a person's social and political identities intersect and consequently create different modes of discrimination and privilege. We understand this may sound a bit complicated and abstract, but important to understand is that in the context of the benefit scandal, Mothers of color from a lower socioeconomic class suffered more from the wrongful repayments than for example a white mother from a middle class position, simply because the fact that she is white provides her with some privilege and a more comfortable economic position allows her for less life-changing consequences due to the unjust repayments. The mother of color on the other hand is disadvantaged in the sense that she will be firstly racialized in every institution she has to navigate through and rendered as different as the other moreover this in combination with her economic position makes that the benefit scandal will impact her life more deeply thus the moment that someone is explaining something about another social group about other identities this person will also always speak from their his her own positionality knowledge that is produced is therefore never really void of this positionality It simply means that this person will never be able to know about the lived experience, perceptions and opinions of the person in question.
1: Of
4: course, we can sit here and tell our story and you can empathize with us, but when you've gone through it yourself,
1: it has been really hard.
4: We talk maybe 40 minutes, but how it has actually been like, you can
2: never really understand.
4: Also how it has been for our children, they have experienced it differently as well.
2: Thus, if people are speaking about the benefit scandal, and the consequences of this for the people harmed, it is important to realize that what they say is not a reflection of some universal truth. However, unfortunately, some people think in this case white, cis male, hetero, able-bodied, or well-educated, enjoy the privilege in life to produce knowledge that pretends to be universal, truthful, and objective. This is problematic in the sense that these people have the agency describe and define how the others are without the actual agency of these so-called others. We later on asked our guests about the role of the media and objectivity in reporting. They gave us some examples of in which positionality connects with journalism and the risks Let's come with it.
1: Yeah. The media is always the
2: good versus the bad.
1: That will always be there. But yeah, sometimes that's hard. And I think, hmm, just tell
4: people the truth. Of course, you have to do research. As a journalist, you have to do that. But you also have their truth. What they see, what we see, could be so different from their truth. It all depends on how they present the story,
3: you know?
5: That is why it's also so
3: important to get the media on our side. I feel like the media often are trying to just get a story out there quickly without research and whether
5: or not it is smart to publish something it has become just like a game which is
3: not okay at all the things that are out in the public right now is also mostly because we were so on top of
5: things. Stating what we
3: do and what we don't want to be published. Otherwise, they'll just publish anything. They want to raise awareness.
5: However, I do feel like it often has
3: to fit within their own framework.
2: I think it's important that they change a little bit
3: in that aspect, be a bit more conscious when publishing news, because it can be really damaging to one another.
0: The way people are talked about and treated by the media, politicians and other influential bodies influences symbolic injustice, and therefore also social injustice. As we have clearly seen with the child care benefit scandal, the way it is talked about and how the disadvantages are talked about impacts political decisions, and eventually has material consequences. The role of the media has specifically been crucial in the benefit scandal, since it were several journalists that exposed that the belastingdienst kept important information behind the citizens in various lawsuits, and how the Belasting Deans used second nationality as a selection factor in their investigations to fraud. Another media report revealed that the entire cabinet knew about these poignant cases. Baja and Asima also spoke about how the media affected their journey towards justice. Baja describes the moment she noticed that the media picked up what happened.
5: That
3: was the moment it started for me.
5: I was thinking to
3: myself, is this really happening? Are they really speaking about what happened at the text administration in the media? They already started at the end of 2019. And my friend said, just rewatch the episode. And I saw her on the television and Renske and Peter Omzeer. I was just baffled. I will never forget how that felt for me. And that was the moment I started to speak up. And that moment told me that I can do something.
5: Ik zelf op te to staan toen dacht ik yeah, ja dat moment van ik kan wat doen ik kon ik was ook was gewoon wow
1: maar ook weer van rust van oh yeah. yes weet je eindelijk dus het lag niet aan mij It was also a realization yeah. of, wow this yeah, is yeah, a thing
4: yeah, it, was it was recognition yeah. and the fact
2: that it wasn't our fault next to recognition, Batshe, who is also an organizer among the disadvantaged parents of the toeslagenfeder, explains how they themselves used and are using the media. The ladies explained to us about how in the last two years, even though the scandal had been going on for more than a decade, the media became more active in covering the Toeslag Affair. The media started to reach out to them more, and they noticed an increase in media coverage
5: om alles in actie te brengen, om dat ook werkelijk voor elkaar te krijgen, hebben we de media gewoon echt gebruikt. En opgeven to bellen, get the ball rolling and to get everything to get done, done, we really yeah, use we the media. The media started to call us as well, whenever someone got a call, we all got together, every time
3: that there was a debate, we gathered in the Hague,
5: to really make clear that they won't get away with this anymore, and tell them, these are the steps you need to take to
1: be able to help us properly.
4: On the one hand, the media had played a crucial role in the development of the revelation of the Affair. That everyone stood up and Renske and Peter also really got to take a lot of action.
1: But you see how long this process can take. That is crazy. And zijn nog steeds maar hoeveel mensen?
2: For both Nessimah and Boucha the media was really used as a tool to wake up people and spread awareness so that eventually action will be taken. We're still in it. We succeeded to
3: create a movement with the help of the media,
5: but we're still fighting. There
3: are still too many things going wrong. That's what we're doing now. And we need the media to keep that clear.
5: They're still stealing. Can you
3: imagine how? how much money we're talking about,
5: Thirty
3: thousand victims, how much money they will have to pay back soon. They are now trying to withhold money from every side and pay out as little as possible. Money that people have the right to.
5: Yeah. They're still trying to hide the so much. That needs to
3: change, and we definitely need the media for this. Yeah,
5: that's
0: Our conversation with Batja Nasima revealed that the media can be used to their advantage. However, this is also the case for the government. Our guests mentioned, for example, how the former cabinet had used the media to their advantage by suddenly announcing the questionable compensation fee of €30,000. They
5: also media. It's the media We also
3: are really against
5: that they threw the
3: thirty k out there in the media like
5: that. All of a
3: sudden, The Hague had a whole other plan. First off, they were planning to look at all the households individually to see how much compensation they had the right to. And this plan started to be more clear, but was never really put into practice, but at least it was heading that way. And all of a sudden, Rutte just came out with that 30k, so everything got turned upside down and portrayed in a different way. And, of course, this was a political move
1: yeah. for him and his party. Yes, people really started to look at it differently.
4: Yeah. Citizens think, well, they will get 30k compensation anyway, won't they? You get calls like, congratulations,
3: you get 30k.
1: You you know? Uh,
5: There
3: are some people telling me, yeah, but you've already received the payment, right? Or, congratulations, you've won.
5: There are still so many people who still don't understand the severity of the situation. Of all
3: of the 30,000 victims, only 3 to 4% can get by with that 30K.
5: Yeah,
4: yes, and those are also the people 000. who had yeah. less debt, for yeah. example, the people who had about yeah. two to
5: 3,000 debt. Actually, 30k not even compensation, it's
3: The people who had more than 10k debt are the ones who were cornered. So, with that 30k, really that 30k is not even a compensation. Yeah. It's just their own money.
1: Uh, Both this and the resignation of the cabinet
2: was just giving the the citizens such a mindfuck. As Nusima mentioned just now, it is important to recognize that this resignation disrupts a proper processing for the disadvantaged parents. Once the cabinet continues as a demissionary cabinet, no new decision-making can be done and the promised compensation of 30,000 euros would delay even more. Also, the 500 sharp questions that would finally address institutional racism and discrimination in the Netherlands that were prepared to be asked by the lower house to the responsible people will no longer be posed. And arguably, it enabled the responsible and involved politicians to save face prior to the 2021 elections.
5: Yeah. I am
2: furious, I am
3: extremely furious,
5: I am am actually more
3: rebellious, stronger, because this is not normal, not only as being disadvantaged by this scandal, but also just for the
5: Netherlands. Yes. Yes, just for us collectively, people among each other. And so, that is also the reason why I also stay. What they're doing right now is
3: just scandalous, and that is the reason why I rise. I think this is very unhealthy, not just for us as victims, but also the entire population, for our future, for our children and our grandchildren. There is a system created that has been carried by various people and continuously camouflaged and hidden. A system is created that if you have a low-income
5: or immigrant background, then you
3: do not belong.
5: There is a certain
3: power position
5: that misuses this and that has to be stopped. And I will do
3: everything to disrupt this.
5: I cannot do this alone. We have to do this
3: together, all that dare to write. Because this is not acceptable. I won't accept this for children, family. My
1: loved ones for the Netherlands. You know, we have rights.
4: And the people in the Tweede Kamer or above cannot take that away from They shouldn't. You are a politician who you treats know, the people right. And that you know, didn't happen. Just admit it. Recognize it and, and acknowledge it.
1: Yeah.
4: And do something for the people. because we have our trust in that
2: it raises the question whether those responsible I'm not going to name any names Mark Rutte, resigned for personal gain especially as they resigned once the elections were nearing and not the moment the reports were published and as mentioned by several harmed parents for instance in lilith magazine it was more than clear that only resigning at that moment would not help the parents at all Bodja and Asima
0: provided us with such a valuable perspective. We talked about the importance of recognition and how, at the end of the day, they themselves had to fight for their own rights. They used the media as a tool to bring awareness to the scandal because they wanted to make their voices heard, and refused to let others talk for them. Over time, there are more and more media platforms that try to fight the culture of exclusion, for example platforms like Lilip Magazine. However, media recognition only is not enough. We need solidarity, we need more of an intersectional approach to issues like these, and we need to listen and fight for one another, even if we don't go through the same things. We ask Waja and Asima how we and US listeners can stand in solidarity with them.
5: If we fight uh, so if for this
3: together... together
5: I do believe it is going
3: to ignite change.
5: Like
3: Nesima said before, we have to sit down for this. We have to have a good plan and shed light on the right points to be able to steer this properly. So we won't end up in a situation where we end up being disadvantaged.
5: But for me and Nesimah, I know that for sure we have to do this from unity. And we have to let our voice be heard. Because if we don't
3: speak up, a lot of things won't get done. So we as citizens need to be aware that we actually use our voices. Because without that, this system will never cease to exist.
5: exist.
1: Now it is gewoon kijk nu hebben we ons verhaal verteld weer aan jullie blijven we willen ons verhaal blijven jullie ook weten dat het iedereen kan overkomen. told
4: you our story you, and so we will keep on telling it going. so and you it also even know, even know so that this could happen by by to anyone. Everyone that has a child that goes to daycare, it can happen to you suddenly even though you had trust in the system. It took so long for this to come out to the public and Imagine that all that time that you have lived in misery and you get letters sent to your house. Eventually solidarity is about telling your story, listening to each other, helping each other. And what is important to us is that whenever we go out to protest, that you'll be there as well for us. You know that maybe not through the daycare, maybe through another system, it can affect you as well. And that you can end up in the same situation to support each other from human to human. I think that is what solidarity is about.
5: Uh, it is heel mooi om juist dit horen. I think it's so good to hear this from young people and you're also
3: involved with the media so I would encourage you to also send this to the media because
0: That's support from young people, from students who are consciously trying to learn about this pain.
5: So if you can send this to the outside, that is also support for those
3: 30,000 victims.
1: Yeah. Also, whenever you guys decide yeah. to enter the media, fight
4: for what you stand for and what you really believe in. Listen to your feeling as a human. Because that is the most important thing.
2: To close off our podcast, Nesima offered to perform one of her spoken words for us. A special thanks goes out to Nesima Elidrisi and Batje Brown. En we want to thank you for listening.
1: Jij kent mij niet. Wat zie jij als jij naar mij kijkt? Ik ben precies wat jij van mij verwacht: een moslima. Een onderdrukte vrouw. Gevangen in mijn eigen huis met mijn geliefde als bewaker, als enige doel in het leven om voor te planten. Uitgehuwd, analfabeet. Tien kinderen thuis terrorist. Een tamme katarifnis. Gij kent mij niet. Deze Brabantse mokro is veel meer dan jij verwacht. Gabberend door het leven, na sitting up in my room van Brandy. Gij kent mij niet. Op mijn achttiende op kamers in Den Bosch, als PR-meisje naar Gran Canaria na drie maanden met Ma bellen. Geld is op. Mama, mag ik een vliegticket terug? Gij kent mij niet. Een moslima? Een geëmancipeerde vrouw, dus houd op om mij in een hokje te plaatsen, want ik, ik heb claustrofobie. Gij kent mij niet. We kennen niemand, tot we elkaar leren kennen. Dankjewel, jullie bedankt. Super bedankt dames, echt, wauw. Dat Dat jullie hier de tijd voor genomen hebben en dat dit echt een belangrijk onderwerp is. Jullie steun ook nodig hierin, dankjewel.